Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Tampa Bay Rays 6, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And man, the Guardians just cannot gain a game on the Minnesota Twins this entire weekend. Uh, they take two out of three from Tampa Bay, but Minnesota takes two out of three from Texas. Texas tried to help us off with a walk-off win uh, in their Sunday finale, and uh, the Guardians can't get it done today. They're still stuck at one sweep for the season. And, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Sweeping a team in Major League Baseball is a very difficult thing to do. The game is kind of designed uh, to take two out of three. Uh, That's the parity in the game, right? It's hard to do. But you do expect a, a Major League Baseball team to sweep m- more than one series um, at some point during the season. I I think it was last year. I think it was the 2022 season where, like, it was something like the first eight series of the season were all sweeps. Were we, like, into May and everything had been a sweep up until that point? It was a very weird way to start a season wins and winning and losing we we would get swept and then we would sweep another team uh i think that was 2022 if memory serves correct um but yeah uh can't sweep tampa bay rays they eventually grind out the win uh uh, they come on late they come on late we tie the game up it's a we ride a 2-2 game into the eighth inning and, I, I mean, frankly, I, a lot of people might be upset with Eli Morgan and Trevor Steffen for giving up runs late. We have nobody to blame but ourselves uh, offensively. We, we had opportunities to score. Uh, we only put up five hits to their 13. Okay, we, we don't deserve to win if we're only be able to put together five hits and they've got 13 on the board. Yeah, they're going to win that game. Uh, I mean... Yes, you can blame our pitchers for giving up 13 hits, but our offense has to do better than five hits, especially with all the walks, all the free base runners Taj Bradley was giving us. Five walks over five innings. So they were trying to give us base runners. We just couldn't come up with those hits. And, you know, the eighth inning, they they do a good job of manufacturing a run in the eighth inning, right? Uh, Jose Siri, uh, gets on, uh, with two outs, uh, gets on via a walk after two strikeouts. So Stefan looks like he's in command, but he, uh, he battles and loses the battle to Siri and then Siri steals second base. And then Taylor walls with a single drives him in. Sometimes baseball's that simple. Walk, stolen base, single, boom, runs across. You now have the lead. You now get to bring in your big bullpen guys. To shut us down, right? You're, you're guys that pitch with the lead. And then, I mean, we had our opportunity in the seventh inning with Quans, I think, with his bunt single. And you got, you know, Ramirez and Naylor up behind him. And they can't, they can't get a gun. In fact, does Quans steal a base? I think he does in this situation, right? I think once Naylor is up. Yeah, off of... Uh, Pache, uh, so yeah, uh, they we even do that part of it. We even have that part of it, the stolen base, to get him up to second base. We just can't get the hit. We couldn't get the hit today to drive him in. So, uh, Quan on base, uh, it wasn't to lead off the seventh, all right, with one out in the seventh, but 
Quan was trying to spark some rallies after striking out really bad in his first two at-bats. I mean, chasing pitches way up over his head, which will be a problem all day. Uh, we will see. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the offense has no one to blame for themselves. And uh, uh, one of our emailers will point out Eli Morgan uh, coming in late in the game is kind of a problem. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at those numbers. So uh, some other things, the, the starting pitching battle, it, it's strange because neither guy was fantastic they're both okay, and they both end up with about the same line. Uh, Curry gives up more hits. Bradley gave up way more walks. Uh, that's the big difference here. Uh, Bradley goes five innings for them, gives up only three hits, two runs, one earned, five walks, but seven strikeouts. On 86 pitches, he's hard hit five times. Curry, on the other side of things to start, goes five and a third, gives up six hits, Two runs, only one earned, one walk, and six strikeouts. He does give up the home run, and uh, on 78 pitches, he is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. So uh, Tampa Bay making better contact all day, but Curry, uh, you know, the, the six strikeouts is that's a decent amount over five innings. Same thing with Bradley, the seven strikeouts, and it it definitely helped them. It definitely saved them. I mean, Curry comes out of the gate. I, both of them come out of the gate looking like uh, they're working on 20 strikeout games here. After a ground out of Yandy Diaz on the first pitch of the game, strikes out Brandon Lau, strikes out Isak Paredes, and then uh, Bradley turns around and strikes out Quan and Ramirez to kick things off. Uh, he's got two more strikeouts, uh, Curry does, in the second, gets a Rosarena, uh, Lau ground, Josh Lowe grounds out, and then Jose Siri strikes out. But then Bradley comes back and strikes out the side in the second around a pair of walks. And Ramon Laureano striking out after Cole Calhoun and Tyler Freeman walk. Arias and then Cam Gallagher strike out with a chance to get things started. But again, can't come up with the hit. And then, yes, uh, it sucks. An error, uh, by uh, an error by uh, Tyler Freeman at second base, a real lazy throw to first on what should have been a very easy out, leads to a two-run home run. Pinto hits a home run. It's the second day in a row that the uh, catching position, that the number nine hitter for Tampa Bay hits a crooked number home run. Two days in a row, the number nine spot gets us. That, that ain't going to happen uh, against Cleveland. Uh, you're safe with Miles Straw there hitting ninth. Um, so it sucks that an error then leads to a two-run home run, right? Uh, all right. But Curry and Bradley were both striking out, guys. And uh, going over to Illustrator here, all day, not just Bradley, but Kevin Kelly, Colin Pache, Robert Stevenson, all got the Guardians to go outside of the strike zone. Uh, a ton of their strikeouts of the uh, of the eleven strikeouts recorded by Tampa Bay pitching, nine of them were getting guys to chase out of the strike zone. Only two were called strike. Uh, only one was a called strike. Cam Gallagher got locked up by a curveball. He also chased a changeup in the strike zone and swung through a changeup in the strike zone. So he has two strikeouts in the strike zone in his two at bats. Uh. Martin, Marlon is going to point this out in his email, but 
completely worthless up at the plate. I don't understand what Cam Gallagher is still doing on this team. Completely worthless with a bat in his hand. You know, he mentioned he he mentioned Major League Two, right? Marlon, in, was it yesterday he mentioned Major League Two? In Major League Two, don't they decide that Tom Berenger's character, Jake Taylor, the old catcher, is too old? And they literally convert him into a bench coach? That's the plot of Major League Two. Uh, that's, that's what Cam Gallagher should probably be at this point. He probably shouldn't be up there hitting. Why isn't Fry... Since Fry came back from injury, the only time we've seen him is a defensive replacement late uh, in the ninth inning at first base. Have we seen Fry taking at bat since he came back? I don't. I don't think so. Why? Why not? He was one of your best hitters before he got hurt. Why isn't he in the lineup? So yeah, uh, everybody else chases out of the zone, and, and I mean some of these are bad. Quan chases a high fastball. Uh, and then a high changeup off of Bradley. Gabriel Arias goes up after a high fastball. Jose Ramirez goes up after a high slider in the seventh inning. I remember this one. It was like a looping slider from Colin Pache that never came anywhere near the strike zone. And this is after Quan had gotten on with that bunt single on a 2-2 count. So uh, Ramirez chases. We're going to talk about that more. Uh, Tana chased a, uh, a sweeper that's just off the plate. Uh, Jose Ramirez chases a changeup below his knees. Ramon Laureano chases a cutter down there off Stevenson. His cutter is very good. He gets Cole Calhoun down there too with the cutter. And then Ramon Laureano chased a curveball out of the strike zone off of Taj Bradley in the second inning. Uh, This cutter off Ramon Laureano, I remember this one in the eighth inning because he had just laid off this pitch to make it a 1-2 count and then chases it. I hate that. I hate that. When a pitcher doubles up and our guys go and chase the second one, I hate that. Show some Freaking plate discipline. Um, so, yeah. So, that's a lot of strikeouts outside of the strike zone. Curry was much more in the strike zone with... Well, it's 50-50 in the strike zone with his strikeouts. Gets Brandon Lau at a fastball right at the top of the strike zone. He chases it. Uh, swings through it. Uh, gets Jose Siri swinging at a fastball right at the top of the strike zone. Uh, drops a curve on Jose Zuri. Uh, Jose Siri to strike him out in the second inning on an 0-2 count. It was a beautiful curveball from uh, from Curry. The thing was really moving. In fact, he gets Randy Rosarena to chase the curveball down below the knees. A big looping curve uh, in the second inning. Also gets Luke Rayleigh uh, foul tipping a fastball down below his knees. And then gets Isak Paredes in that first inning chasing a slider way off the plate uh, on an 0-2 count. So, uh, nice to see Curry bounce back. Remember the first game, he only goes, two games ago, he only goes two innings because the game got rained out. Last outing, he only goes two innings because he gets shelled. So, it's nice to see Xavier Curry have a bounce back start. I I honestly think uh, it was a really solid performance. With as much as changed around the pitching staff, right? Cal Quantrill coming back. Giolito now being added to the starting rotation. I thought Curry was going to get bounced to long relief, and he still could. He still could, but I thought this was a pretty solid outing from Xavier Curry. I got nothing, no problems with this outing from Xavier Curry. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we've talked about the offense, how much the offense have let us down. Uh, they do manage to score runs in the fifth, in the third and the fifth inning. They're able to scratch across something, make it a 2 nothing game. They, they at least battled to make it a close game, but they just really could not find 
the big hit, the big rally. Ramon Laureano comes through uh, with a single up the middle in the third inning that drives in Miles Straw. And then, uh, but unfortunately, Calhoun flies out to end the threat. And then uh, in that fifth inning, uh, Quan's leadoff walk uh, with a Naylor single uh, does turn into a run. So uh, Naylor's able to drive one through the right side uh, and get things done. Actually, Ramirez lined out uh, to right field. It had an expected batting average of 550. It was a decent swing. But then Naylor's able to get it done and, uh, and shoot that single through the right side. So uh, they, And then after Ramon Laureano walk, Cole Calhoun hits into a double play. Uh, so Calhoun not doing much this series. He did have, after the big home run in Minnesota, he does have two hits in the 11 inning game. Uh, I think he had an RBI. I think it was a sack fly in the first game of the series, but really doesn't have the impact on the game like he was having in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, kind of sucks, uh, that he regresses in this series a little bit here. So maybe we were all a little too excited about Cole Calhoun, uh, after that big, uh, big extra inning home run. So, yeah, uh, offensively, that's that's about all we have to celebrate right here, right? Uh, there's not much else going on. Going over to the player breakdown page, uh, I told you Xavier uh, uh, Curry had a, uh, a good curveball. He only threw it a few times, only 14 times, but uh, it did have a 43% CSW. It had four called strikes and two whiffs with it. So a pretty effective curveball on the day. Uh, they only put two in play with an average exit velocity. Well, they hit one at 71 miles per hour, and they hit one at 71.9. Uh, so I think you could figure out what the average exit velocity was there between those two. So uh, it's a nice curveball on the day. In fact, at 12 whiffs, it's a 31% whiff rate and a 36% CSW total on the day. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, for Bradley, the problem, Taj Bradley, the problem again for the Guardians hitters is they struggled against the fastball. He threw his fastball 45 times. They swung 19 times. Only two whiffs. That's it. Only two whiffs. But they fouled off 13, and they only put four in play. Fouled off 13 and only put four fastballs in play all game. Come on, guys. You got to be able to handle the fastball. You got it. So uh, it's disappointing. And it's not like Bradley, uh, it's a hard fastball. It averaged 96.1 on the day, maxed out at 98.2. But, I mean, come on. you got to be able to handle the fastball a little bit better. Uh, off of Curry, he threw his fastball 35 times. They swung 17 times, whisked five times. They fouled off five, but they put seven in play with an average exit velocity of 91.2. So, yeah, they, they were able to hit some fastballs. It's just something that's been bothering me all season. Um, all right, so uh, let's get into... I, I mean, that's pretty much sums up the whole game here. They they manufacture that run in the eighth, and then off Eli Morgan in the ninth inning, I mean, things just fall apart. Uh, they have four singles in a row off of Eli Morgan, and then a fielder's choice. So they push across three runs in the ninth inning. I mean, things just really, really get out of hand and fall apart, and... Eli Morgan is pretty rough in that ninth inning. Uh, Marlon, in his email, uh, points this out. Uh, he said, Nevertheless, I'm hoping the teams look to upgrade both Sandlin and Morgan in the offseason. They are both mediocre and have underwhelming stuff. 
Sandlin actually did a good job today, but Morgan was absolutely terrible. Once again, Tito puts players in a position to fail as both guys have proven to be low-leverage pitchers and should not be used in high-leverage or late innings. Unless the game goes deep into extras, I felt like Tito waved the white flag by putting Morgan in the game. He's the last reliever who I wanted to see. De Los Santos should have been in to keep the deficit at one. In fact, De Los Santos pitched yesterday only through 13 pitches, but had previous two days off. Maybe the offense could have rallied if they knew they only needed one run instead of four. We saw what they were able to do last night when they trailed by one heading into the bottom of the ninth. Tito needed to give the team a chance, and he didn't do it. Hopefully, the beat writers ask him as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I looked up Sandlin and Eli Morgan, and Sandlin is actually okay in high-leverage situations. He has an OPS plus under 100, which is what you want on the pitching side of things. Um He's at an 88 OPS plus. In low leverage situations, it's a 36 OPS plus. So yeah, he's dominant in low leverage situations. For some reason, medium leverage situations, he has a 129 OPS plus. Uh, an 852 OPS against him. A 703 OPS against him in high leverage. And a 498 OPS against him in low leverage. Now, looking uh, by inning, uh, Sandlin is uh, pretty good until you get to the 8th and ninth inning. And that's where that OPS plus jumps up over 100. It's a 120 in the eighth inning. In a very small sample size, only three games, uh, only two innings pitched. Uh, in fact, nine plate appearances in the ninth inning. It's a 210 OPS plus. So really bad. I mean, he's got an 11-11 OPS in the ninth inning. So a very small sample size, though. Uh, in the eighth inning, it's a 796 OPS. And then in extra innings, he's actually been okay. In uh, nine plate appearances in extra innings, uh, Sandlin has a 143 batting average against, a 476 OPS, a 32 OPS plus. So extra innings aren't bad, but the eighth and the ninth, very small sample size, though. Very small sample size. Um, for Eli Morgan, uh, yes, he does struggle in high leverage situations. In fact, in low leverage situations, he hasn't been great. It's a 101 OPS plus. It's a 733 OPS against him. In medium leverage, he's pretty good. Uh, 615 OPS against him, a 69 OPS plus. In high leverage situations, it's an 835 OPS. It's a 124 OPS plus. Remember, OPS plus is a split relative to the rest of the league. So he's 24% worse than the rest of the league in high leverage situations. Um, and then if you look by inning here, he's kind of all over the place. He's uh, great in the fifth inning. I mean, a dominant in the fifth inning. Uh, 13 OPS plus. Uh, but then struggles in the sixth and the seventh. Has OPS pluses above 100. Struggles in those innings. Is great again in the eighth inning. Uh, and a decent sample size. Has faced 34 plate appearances in the eighth inning. And has a 54 OPS plus. But then struggles in the ninth, uh, 43 plate appearances here, so decent sample size. Uh, it's a 121 OPS plus. So uh, extra innings, it's a 101 right down the middle. Uh, not many. In one game, he faced uh, four batters. Uh, he's pitched one inning of extra innings work. So kind of hard to judge how he's been this season. But yeah, apparently he's been good in the eighth, but terrible in the ninth. Not the inning for him. So uh, that's what the numbers say. Uh, so there you go, Marlon. And that, and obviously uh, in the ninth inning here, terrible, absolutely terrible uh, in this ninth inning. And uh, it's yeah, it's way too big of a gap for the Guardians to close. Uh, they do get some guys on, and maybe if it was a one-run game, this would be different. 
But Brennan lines out, Quan lines out, and Jose Ramirez grounds out uh, to end things. So uh, Arias and Bo Naylor, uh, you know, they tried. They tried to get on uh, and get things sparked, but uh, can't come through with the big hit. Uh, I mean, all these outs, all three of these outs have batting expected batting averages over 400. So we gave it our best shot in the ninth inning. Uh, we just couldn't get things done. All right, so that kind of wraps up my thoughts on this game. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is. It's frustrating, but it's hard to sweep people in Major League Baseball. Uh, some final thoughts from Marlon there. Uh, he rallies against Tito to start his email about basically about Gallagher and Straw being in the lineup, which I agree with. It makes the bottom of our lineup just ridiculously bad. Uh, we see the importance of Jimenez's defense, he says, at second base. Tyler Freeman, yeah, don't forget, Jimenez also wasn't in this lineup. Also makes this lineup suffer. That's three choices you made to weaken the lineup there. Uh, Tyler Freeman's error was awful. He was very lackadaisical and made a poor throw at first. I thought Freeman's error may have factored into Curry giving up the two-run shot to Pinto. If Freeman makes the routine play, Curry has two outs and doesn't feel pressure to throw a strike to Pinto. He either walks Pinto and moves on to the next batter, or at worst, he gives up a solo homer. Although I'm proud of Curry for bouncing back after a pair of bad outings versus the Dodgers and Twins. Meanwhile, Tanya prematurely removed his foot off second while attempting to turn the double play. Uh, what happened here, and he goes on to not understand exactly... Uh, he says, I don't understand why the call was overturned because the runner never bothered to keep running to second base. What they said is that the umpire's decision forced that runner to leave the base path to return to the dugout. Like, that's why the runner gave up. The umpire called them out, and that's what you're supposed to do when the umpire calls you out. Uh, it's a little different. You know, in, in football, they they talk about, like, uh, finish the play because they might review it. Like, if it's a, if you're not sure if the ball was fumbled or not, just play it like it was fumbled. And then let the challenge, you know, review it. I guess you could say that, but it's kind of hard on what's a routine uh, double play attempt to say, oh, keep running to second base, run it out, and then let them review it uh, and make the decision that way. It's just not a natural thing to do in baseball. It's much easier to say that, I guess, in football uh, with a fumble type play or something like that. So I understand why the base runner gives up because the umpire called him out and they legitimately said in their decision, the reason he was, the reason he did that is because the umpire's decision, the umpire was wrong on the play. So therefore we're not going to penalize the runner for following the umpire's call on the field. So I understand that. Uh, Ramon Laureano played very well. He drove in a run and made an absolute web gem in right field. I didn't forget about it. I was just saving it for Marlon. Yes, he did. Uh, he made an absolutely insane sprinting, sliding catch into the right field corner. I did not know if he was going to get there. And what was interesting is usually when guys slide, they're extending the glove, right? They're reaching out. I think what made Ramon Laureano's look so unique is that he kept the glove tight to his body and makes like a basket catch tight to his body. And it's just not a combination you usually see of a guy going down and sliding or diving, but then keeping the glove in tight. Usually it's to give yourself a chance to extend the glove and reach out and catch a ball. So it made the play look even more interesting, I think, than than any other sliding catch we've seen going into that corner. So, yeah, it was a very, very good catch from Ramon Laureano. Uh, Marlon throws out, hopefully he earned MVP for the day. Um, 
So, yeah. So, uh, thank you, Marlon, for the email. And then we also got an email from Jeff in Columbus. Jeff with a G. He said, Davey, not going to lie, I didn't get to watch or listen to much of the game today. I was busy with family stuff and Labor Day party preparations. It's all right, Jeff. I, I was busy, too. Bummed we didn't get the sweep, just not in the cards for us. As you noted in your last podcast, we don't sweep often this season. Tampa Bay is a quality team, so two out of three is still respectable. I do, however, really want to sweep the Twins this week. In order to do this, I think we need Jose to get hot again. It just feels like he's pressing and unlucky, the worst of both worlds. I know he contributes in so many other ways than just hitting, but when he's hitting, we are so much more dangerous offensively. We also have some good pitchers lined up, so fingers crossed. I'm trying to enjoy the process of the season rather than live or die with each result. Easy to say, hard to put in practice. Finally, I think you should interview Marlon in Birmingham for a future off-day podcast. Thanks again for the podcast, Jeff and Columbus. I've I've thought about it, Jeff. I've thought about putting together a listener roundtable maybe in the off-season and doing something like that for fun. So who knows? Maybe we'll get to that uh, this off-season. Uh, and, and I think we all should... Right? Just like Jeff's saying here, we should all enjoy the process. Try to enjoy the process. Try not to live and die with each result. As far as Jose Ramirez goes, so I looked into this, and I, I mean, wow, by month, uh, he has really dropped off in August and September here. He had an OPS plus over uh, 100 every month this season. Uh, his lowest OPS was a 787 in May, which was still a 113 OPS plus. Uh, in June, a red hot with over an OPS over a thousand, eight thirty OPS in July, and then August was a struggle. Uh, the strikeouts didn't really go up. The batting average just plummeted to two oh seven. It was an OPS of six seventy four, uh, an eighty three OPS plus, and then this month, okay, small sample size, three games, but it's a zero seventy seven batting average, a two twenty OPS. It's a negative thirty nine OPS plus for the month of September. So. Yeah, he's fallen on some hard times here. Uh, I've I looked at his um, some numbers on uh, on Fangraphs. I've been I've been looking all over the place here. So I was looking at his chase rate, and I feel like his chase rate has increased recently with the struggles with that batting average plummeting over the last two months. And it has it's not that far off than what he's been doing all season. His chase rate all season. Uh, let me just give you the number so we all kind of have it here, is 27.2% of the time. He's chasing out of the strike zone 27.2% of the time. Uh, this, uh, in the month of August, it jumped to 20. In July, it was at its lowest. In July, it was 22.2 chase rate. Uh, in August, it jumps to 28.6. This month is the first time he's been over 30. He's at a 30.8% chase rate. Now, that's looking at all pitches. When we look by pitch group, um, these numbers, we see uh, what's really affecting these numbers, and it's chasing off-speed pitches. Those are your splitters, your change-ups, those type pitches. He's actually uh, and chasing fastballs a little bit more. Uh, he's gone from, in July again, when everything was at the lowest, 17.1% chasing fastballs to 25% chasing fastballs now. Uh, the curveball, the breaking balls have actually held steady or uh, gone down since August. Uh, in August, it was pretty bad. It was 34.7. It's back down to 28.6. Uh, in July, those off-speed pitches, he was chasing 24% of the time. In August, it was up to 35.1. 
This month, it's up to 50% so far. Again, very small sample size, only three games, but he's up to 50% chasing off-speed pitches out of the strike zone. So, um, yeah, that is, that's a cause for concern, chasing pitches. And then the bat bip, too. So on Fangraphs, they have what's called the rolling bat bip. So I can look at the last 50 games played. And his batting average on balls in play, uh, where it was up over 300 for a lot of July uh, and into August, uh, it has dropped, it has plummeted, and it's under, it's around 250 right now. Under 260, around 250 right now. So it went from like a 320 bat bip, batting average on balls in play, down to a 250. So that shows maybe getting a little unlucky. And he had a couple of hits in this game. Uh, that did have decent expected batting averages, right? His ground out in the ninth had a 460 expected batting average. His uh, his line out in the uh, fifth inning had a 550 expected batting average. So he did have some hits on this game that had decently high expected batting average that became outs, and that's is reflected in the bat bip. Uh, shows that, yeah, he has had a little bit of bad luck when putting the ball in play. Remember, this has nothing to do with strikeouts. This is all about putting the ball in play. And uh, to see that number plummet like that, yeah, shows maybe he is having some bad luck lately. It also could show that someone's making weak contact or swinging at bad pitches outside the strike zone maybe, which is inducing weak contact. But uh, for Ramirez, uh, weak contact has never been a problem for him. So that's kind of what's going on with Jose Ramirez. So thank you, Jeff. Finally, to wrap things up, MVP on the day. I know Marlon wants to go with Ramon Laureano, but he also did strike out twice. I just, with five hits on the day, I can't give it to anyone on offense. It just wasn't a good enough offensive day. I'm going with Xavier Curry for MVP on the day. I thought it was a really, really solid bounce back start, and he absolutely gave us a chance to win. Absolutely uh, a solid starting performance from Xavier Curry here. And the six strikeouts, the curveball, very encouraging right there. So that's my MVP on the day. All right, let's wrap this thing up. The final again, I know it sucks. Tampa Bay 6, Cleveland 2. But we get a chance to go head-to-head with Minnesota here, and we are all very excited for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. 